Hello, I am C-3PO, and I believe the storyteller is ready. So, let us begin. So the episode starts off where Bo-Katan is worried about Mandalore's future. Uh, she's talking with Ahsoka, and then it cuts to Ahsoka uh, having a conversation via hologram with the Jedi Council. Uh, it's basically their conversation, I sense the plot to destroy the Jedi. Um, and it's directly from Revenge of the Sith. Ahsoka misses the chance to chat with Anakin uh, because he's on his way to tell Palpatine that Obi-Wan's off to capture or kill General Grievous. Uh, Mace Windu kind of blows Ahsoka off, although Yoda's kind of kind to her. Uh, then we cut back to uh, Mandalore handing Maul over uh, to the Republic. Uh, they board a Star Destroyer, the clones, uh, Maul, uh, and the Star Destroyer goes off into hyperspace. And then comes what is the second opportunity we get here on Recorder 66 to observe Order 66 executed by the Emperor, except now we see it on a much more personal level happen between uh, longtime friends Ahsoka and Rex. Um, and... It's an emotional thing because he is trying his best to fight this integrated instinct to turn on her while all of his other men have already done so. And she's just trying to grapple with exactly why this is happening in the first place. And so there's uh, quite a, a standoff. Um, she gets away at one point and goes to free Maul either as kind of a distraction or uh well, why is it? Why does she free Maul? It's, it, it is for a distraction. She does not want him to win. Uh, she just specifically knows that uh, she's looked into uh, what Rex, uh, Rex had provided her some information. Uh, he had made a report to, uh, on fives. Uh, in particular, she realizes there may be an issue with her inhibitor chips. And so she wants a distraction so that she can corner Rex. She enlists the help of some droids. Uh, and they essentially cordon Rex off. They electrocute him. They bring him to the medical bay where she gets a medical droid to examine his head. They find the inhibitor chip, uh, and she realizes because there's something in it that's probably uh, associated with this, they extract it, uh, and then the clones find them again. Uh, Ahsoka does another amazing job of double lightsabers taking on all those blasters and blocking off the doorway, um, and then Rex kind of wakes up and gives her a little backup as the door closes. And then the clones start to, to cut it open, and then our episode ends. And so overall, the summary of the episodes is uh, not that broad. It's just got a lot of great action, and uh, it's, it's, a good, it's still an amazing episode. Well, again, if we're, if we're looking at these four episodes as a singular movie, this is just a really like heightened part of where the climax is really taking on itself. I'd like to start by mm -hmm. talking about this inhibitor chip thing, because the biggest thing I'm hung up on, and I'm sure it's explained, I'm just a little unclear on it, is exactly how Rex is able to overcome his his programming. And how come he seems to be the only one that like the goodness of his heart seems to propel his overriding his programming to turn on the Jedi? Uh, it doesn't. So he at the start is cluing into something happening and he, 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 he's not able to stop himself. He, he goes after Ahsoka. Um, he, 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 it's, it's something that he can kind of clue into something going on. But then. Because, because he, he, he had done research into the inhibitor chips because a couple had gone bad in clones. And ultimately gone, like, there was one instance where a clone just started to try. Uh, there was a clone who murdered a Jedi during the Clone Wars. Oh. Um, it was because it was a faulty inhibitor chip where Order 66 executed early in that guy's head. And so he just murders a Jedi in battle. That's a um, fascinating story. 
It's a very, very cool plot line in the Clone Wars, but it gets Rex to look into it. And so Rex is the only clone who's got kind of an idea that they even have these things. Okay. Uh, and he's one of the higher ranking clones, so that makes some sense. But he got it in a very like, – he, he was not allowed to get it. He snuck around Kamino um, and got the information secretly um, because uh, someone from the 501st uh, as well um, had a faulty inhibitor chip. And so – uh, she he passed along that information to Ahsoka. Ahsoka realizes, okay, I just got to get him, and so that way, if we can extract the chip, maybe he'll go back to normal. Uh, and then, as we see at the very end of the episode, that is fortunately exactly what happens. Uh, does he? And he exists in Rebels, right? Uh, Rex? Rex, yes. Does he yes. going he's, forward? He's chubbier, bald, and has a beard. Right, because we can kind of have reason to believe that he's the guy with the white beard in A New Hope. Like, that's kind of what people like to say. Return of the Jedi, yeah. Return of the Jedi, right. Yeah, it's an up-in-the-air option. So, are there any? is there any more story to tell about this inhibitor situation with him? Any, like, faltering in his programming that exhibits later on in his story? Is, is there any further uh, side effects from the fact that he is a clone with built-in flaws? Uh, no, I mean, the, really, the there aren't flaws built in. Um, and after you remove the inhibitor chip, which is essentially, it, it, it's the, the little bit that makes them programming, the very, very little bit that you can program in them. Um, it gives him more free will. And now there is rumor, and this is, I mean, it could be complete, complete garbage, and probably is complete, complete garbage. But uh, although some of these rumors have gained some steam and this came from one of the original ones but that that may be a part of um either mandalorian season two less likely more likely um into the uh the start of the rebel sequel uh where ahsoka or in, in some way shape or form there's some uh, they dive deeper into cloning uh, to stop uh rex's accelerated aging Oh, wow. Uh, because he ages twice as fast. And so right. Rex is getting like old as shit. And so that would be something that if they could slow or even maybe somewhat reverse giving him like even maybe a few like you, in theory that that isn't so outlandish to think about in Star Wars. Um, clone DNA potentially being able to, to even slow it so that maybe he ages half as fast from there, that point on. And so. Uh, I think that's kind of a, a cool thought because that is the only downside for Rex moving forward is that his lifespan should be short. It's so interesting that the guy with the white beard from Revenge of the or from Return of the Jedi is conceivably the same DNA as Boba Fett, and like for thirty years that meant nothing, and yeah. now and now there's like a, like a, a groundwork for that to be a plausible yeah. Easter same egg movie. Yeah. yeah, yeah, that's right, the same movie. Um, just a, like a note about Rex, who I do like, and he is cool. Um, in certain light, and I obviously there's no actual light. This is a cartoon, but it does mm. appear to be lit well. He does look like he has a bleach blonde, slim shady buzz cut. Yep. And he might. I think he may. Oh, okay. Other, yep. No, in other in other frames, he looks like he's just shaved bald. It, it, in other frames, it does absolutely. I. <laughs> it's tough because for a longer period of time, it looked. Like it was a bleach blonde buzz cut, but yeah. also the clones dye their hair. The clones are heavily tattooed and heavily dyed hair, so it's not weird to even consider that. It's so funny um, that they're, they have they're tattooed. Like you'd think that would be part of their inhibitor chip. Like tattoos are uh, culturally inherently, at least from a Western standpoint, 
like an image of rebellion and yeah. the clones they're are the armor. the clones are the opposite of rebellion. That's the thing though. They're in armor and they're the ones who are doing all of the frontline work. The politicians aren't around them. Nobody can see what's inside the armor. It's the, it's the tattoos and the dyed hair. Keep your armor pristine and the clones like you're not supposed to be like in the eyes of the republic on paper that you don't have individuality, you don't have a name, but each of them has a nickname each of them has things that they try to bring about themselves to show their individuality but once they suit up in their armor they are their number that feels like they are their clone it feels like an attempt to me to americanize the image of war like war tattoos are a are a common thing in like western society but it does it something is is skipping a beat for me in terms of the fact that they're clones and like another another thing just let me finish like another thing about tattoos if not about rebellion, they are most certainly uh, an expression of individuality. And I understand the clones have their own like names and personalities to an extent, but that is also antithetical to what a clone is, to have individuality. True, but it's a striving for individuality. And it also is really important to the fact that, yes, they're clones, but they're DNA clones. Nature versus nurture is always a key angle. So they all start out from the same. Boba Fett doesn't have any altered DNA, but he's directly raised by a bounty hunter. So he becomes a bounty hunter. These are clones with different, essentially the same DNA, but they're raised to be good soldiers. But under slightly different circumstance, nurture turns them into slightly different people, and it allows them to strive for more individuality. That's a very big part of what the Clone Wars is. And also, although there is a big... uh, tone to, I guess, Western tattoos, I'd say there's a far longer history of native and tribal tattoos. For sure. War. And so I think, in especially seeing as uh, uh, Timur Morrison is a Maori, and so all of the clones come from technically that heritage, um, uh, if you equate it to Earth. And so there would be, I, I believe, tattoos are uh, prominent in that culture, if I'm not mistaken, as well. And so I think there's a, a lot of good uh, alignment in there, and I think it, it does a good job. To sh- and, and then there are a lot of clones that still look the exact fucking same, and I still, it took me forever to figure out them different. And you, sometimes you just can't tell it until uh, they give you enough uh, exposition by calling them their nickname enough times. Well, I think everything you said it makes a ton of sense, and that's a really good response. And I also, I, I like and appreciate that or at least i can understand that removing rex's inhibitor chip gives him free will which he didn't have otherwise it gives him his own like we said individuality and agency but isn't there reason to believe you remove that inhibitor chip and he's going to default to some extent to the initial uh instincts and ideals of Django fett on which he was based and then he could learn to grow uh beyond that but it does aren't his base instincts a bounty hunter's no, 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 that's because that, that goes back once again to the nature versus nurture. Uh, they wanted somebody who was a physical specimen like Django Fett, and they wanted somebody who could fight like Django Fett. So he was in charge of a class. He taught them like fighting to that degree, but they were raised to be soldiers, not to be bounty hunters. And so that's where that kind of nurture uh, comes into play uh, more so. So the inhibitor chip is less to do with uh, their default DNA and more to do with um, disallowing any agency they may have developed 
to prevent them from doing their orders. So at this point, of course, they're, they're clones, they're bred to do what they're told, they're going to follow orders. But no, their leaders have been Jedi, and the only ones who've shown them any respect leadership-wise have been Jedi. Right. Uh, and so not all Jedi, but in a lot of cases, a lot of Jedi. Uh, and so Rex never in a million years would turn, and none of the 501st would turn. But that's why they have to have this inhibitor chip to go against uh, any agency they may have developed. Uh, to get them to go to orders. And so that's why my guess is order 66 is numbered. So my guess is there are like, oh, like I don't know, um, 99 commands uh, or whatever Palpatine's got listed out that they just, they default to. Yeah, do we know what any of the other 65 or more than, than 66 <laughs> commands are? Well, we know the last one is right. uh, lightning to the sky yeah. uh, and 10,000 Star Destroyers without Google Maps. <laughs> and uh yeah that's, that's the last one no we don't know the uh really that many other ones there are uh others in legends some really cool ones too i forget some of them there may be a couple that are canonized um i think it, in our podcast history i believe i've mentioned a couple of the other i think so uh, the a couple of the other orders that were in legends and a couple of them were, were pretty interesting for sure uh and i think it, in 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 good construction, it makes sense that the first order has linkage to Palpatine's orders as well. It's interesting that um, after we hear that clip of, I, I I assume it's audio of Ian McDermott saying "Execute Order 66." Why wouldn't they just recycle the same audio from Revenge of the Sith? Yeah, and he does some of the. Um, he like, I don't think he actually does any in Clone Wars, but he does them in Rebels, for example. It's terribly cool, uh, although tragic, when Ahsoka completely, like, it, inside her spirit, she kind of witnesses the assassination of Mace Windu by her master, Anakin Skywalker, and you can hear, what mm. have I done? And, like, it, it's, it's one of the better uh, representations I've ever seen of, like, feeling a terrible... Um, movement in the force which obviously is yeah. hinted at in almost every star wars movie but like the fact that they just like put it on the line for us and spelled it out was actually really gratifying yeah it was really good um and i don't know because they're in hyperspace um like they're like so maybe that allows for less class like, i don't know like because not like a lot of cl other clones didn't realize it like kaiety mundi kind of realizes it like a second before it happens. Yeah. Um, Plo Koon, um, you, you don't really know because he's in battle in a fighter jet. Uh, everybody else, though, gets like completely like destroyed. Yoda is, also senses it like hairs before um, he gets his little green ass shot. Uh, <laughs> so. Like, it, it's interesting that kind of like a, where Ahsoka notices it, and the, but the benefit of her not being in immediate, immediate contact with clones there. And so she has that moment to kind of brace herself and, and get ready with her sabers. So we talked about uh, inhibitor chips. The other ethically ambiguous bit of Star Wars technology present in this episode is the chamber in which uh, Maul is delivered by Bo-Katan to Ahsoka. Is it a carbon freeze chamber no okay it's just a that's it's really just a, a small like prison uh cell yeah that's uh, that's interesting because uh it, there's absolutely a ton of lore behind that but that is that's not associated 
uh, one of the things I'm dying to have back in Star Wars in more than a, a, a little snippet in the pilot of Mandalorian. I want carbon freezing used in a good plot line. I think it's got so much fucking potential. Um, it's talk awesome. about wanting to save characters and put them in different time periods. A well, I know I've been freezing. I, I just watched the trailer for American Pickle, which is Seth Rogen's new movie where he plays like, a, like an <laughs> yeah. old country uh, factory worker who's preserved in the brine of pickles for a century. And then he lives in the 21st century as this like old countryman, um, mm. which is like a hilarious high concept uh, broad comedy. But it's like a time travel thing. And you could do that in a more serious way in Star Wars via uh, carbon freeze. And it would be sick. Like, imagine... Still, I still think Ray should have been carbon frozen. That would have been way easier to make her connected to something. It would be It would be really cool. Because <laughs> her, her age was so weird. It didn't fit with anything. No, but like, couldn't we bring somebody from the old Republic into the new Republic in a really great uh, carbon freezing story? Like, how long can you stay carbon Jeez. frozen? We have no idea. I would absolutely, I think that would be a really cool way of doing it. It's like, even if like, that's how um, you start a, a whole plot line. Like maybe the Sith are extinct for 200 years, 3000 years ago. Yeah. And uh, there's extinct for 200 years. One's carbon frozen. One becomes unleashed. They get another thousand or 1800 years of fucking shit up. And then they go back into their, their dormancy. Like you can do, so many cool things with that. Uh, but no, it isn't. Uh, speaking of uh, Old Republic, you, you've really hit the hammer. Uh, you've really hit the nail with the hammer. Uh, that is from the Old Republic, uh, that chamber, that uh, prison chamber, because the Mandalorian Wars against the Jedi occurred during that time period. Um, and well, it's indicated uh, by Ahsoka, like, gee, this is kind of hardcore and old school of you. Didn't you? Didn't your sister outlaw this? And she's like, yeah, she did. And so it's it's very clear that this is not just old school, it's maybe taboo. It's like actually like maybe if it weren't like such a um, high security enemy and uh, also like desperate times call for desperate measures, we wouldn't use this kind of uh, uh, imprisonment yeah. on anybody. Yeah, I mean, it, it's... It, it is. Uh, it strips the Jedi of their ability to do anything. Really. Yeah. Uh, but the interesting thing is the... Um, the drawing on the outside or the carving on the outside. Um, it's very representative of, of Darth Revan. Oh. Or, or Revan, I should say, um, who was uh, probably the number one character in the old Republic uh, in terms of Star Wars um, legends love. I mean, people adore the character of Revan, um, a character who was both a uh, Jedi master uh, and uh, Sith master um, who suffered um, Jedi-induced amnesia, well, not suffered, but Jedi-induced amnesia, uh, ultimately bringing him back from the dark side. Um, and so he, that's a, a huge plot line of uh, Knights of the Old Republic and, and that entire series. And so there is a ton of legends lore around uh, the character of Revan, and Revan was a Mandalorian Jedi. Okay. And so that's where you specifically see kind of the 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 art and the ornamentary uh, resembling his mask there, and so I thought that was kind of interesting. It's to some degree a a, a call to that uh, to that character who's who's has been linked as uh, who has been made canon through like uh, 
Rise of Skywalker and the Sith Trooper legions being named after like legends, Sith and such. Are there any other big themes in this episode that we haven't touched upon? Like it's just kind of a lot of big moments that are drawn out because they take a long to de- a long time to depict. I mean, I guess we loosely touched on Ahsoka freeing Maul to create this distraction, and she says, "Look, I'm not rooting for you. This is not a favor. I just have to do this." That's kind of a yeah. Good well, well, yeah, let's uh, let's do some moments and some lines then. Um, that uh, particular um, kind of exchange. Uh, exchange. Uh, he turned the Jedi's own army against them. You'd understand. I'm not here to team up with you. I need a diversion, and you're it. Now go cause some chaos. It's what you're good at. Right. Uh, uh, care to give me a fighting chance? I'm not rooting for you. Now get going. Right. That was really good. Uh, yeah. Uh, Rex, uh, are you cross-wired? Um <laughs> You know, Ahsoka. one of my favorite moments is, um, and we talked a lot about the, the the morals of Rex, when he gets that single tear going while he's pointing the guns at Ahsoka. That's mm. like very good acting from an animator. Yeah. No, I mean, you get a lot of emotion from Rex. Yeah. He's, he's kind of the, well, him and Ahsoka, is, it's, the, it's, it's, the, it's the compass of the show yeah. to a degree. Um, then there's also, uh, yeah, yeah, kid, I'm okay. I'm sorry for what happened earlier. I almost killed you. <laughs> That's kind of funny. I think my favorite line of the episode is, uh, Bo-Katan. She says, I wish I was good at something other than war. It's just an incredibly yeah. sad line. It is a very, very sad line. Very, very Mandalore, uh, specific. Yeah. Uh, and, and, and a good one. Uh, a couple other good ones as well. When, uh, Ahsoka says five times, I'm one with the force and the force is with me. Interesting. Yeah. Uh, some connection to Rogue One there, which is nice. So this is a mantra that exists outside of that, uh, Chirrut character. Uh, yeah, I think that's, and I think that's appropriate. It didn't make sense for sure. it not to be. And so I think this is a great way to connect that, uh, even further. Uh, Yoda, uh, may the force be with you, Padawan. The way he delivers that to Ahsoka, I just found very kind. Yeah. Uh, it's just a nice delivery. Uh, Bo-Katan's line of, a relic of a bygone era when Mandalorians had reason to imprison you force-wielding maniacs. Mm-hmm. Um, Ahsoka, as a Jedi, we were trained to keep, to be keepers of the peace, not soldiers, but all I've been since I was a Padawan is a soldier. Well, I've known no, known no other way. It gives us clones a mixed feeling about the war. Many people wish it never happened, but without it, we clones wouldn't exist. Yeah. Um, Ahsoka's very sad line uh, to Rex when he goes uh, to get Order 66. Uh, you go. I'm sure it's more good news. Oh, yeah. Uh, uh, don't make me regret this. Um, yeah, no, I think that's... Uh... I, I just really like that R7 is watermelon colored. And he just is yeah. basically R2-D2 again, but like these colors are cool. And by the way, when we release the droids, do I hear a jub-jub? Uh, you may, maybe. I think I do. Do you want to do um, some trivia? Sure. Trivia was really tough for me, though. It was. Didn't come up with a whole lot. Uh, Padawan question. What is Anakin's passcode for the report network? What? They have to use Anakin's passcode to access the network. Oh, man, I must have been totally blanked out on that. I should know that. What is that? It's just 8108. It's not a thing you would remember. Oh, no, but I, like, I don't, I'm surprised I didn't pick up on a number code. Those are usually easy trivias to, to write down yeah. um, just to give you, but I didn't have it. Um, here's one that is one that any fan of the Clone Wars knows. Okay. And anyone, and you, maybe, you, maybe you overheard it, um, but if not, you can maybe guess it. What is the clone number of fives? 
of what's fives what do you mean they, they all have nicknames like rex isn't his real name it's it's his nickname uh some of them are named like chamber or like but like fives is one of their nicknames so what is his number what is his clone number do you mean like like the way like fins is fn2187 yes and i will tell you it is like uh alpha alpha numeric 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 so two letters four numbers is it ct7567 no think of what his name is and then tell me what it is ct5555 you got it (laughs) okay all right Well, I had to so, blow my master question, though. I was going to ask you, uh, what is the name code of the clone trooper who filed a grievance over Rex's inhibitor chip malfunction? And it's CT7567. No, that is Rex. Rex oh. is CT7567. Oh, okay. So he did it for himself. Yeah. 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 So that was my, uh, was my night question. Uh, um, Jedi Knight question. What do the tally marks represent on the helmets of clone troopers? Oh, fuck. Um... Now, this is kind of, there's a catch. This is kind of a trick question. Well, that's an interesting one because uh, I should have known that. I'm sure it's mentioned in an episode. Uh, is it members of the Legion that they've lost? Evidently, they rep- they represent kills. But Kills, okay. Wikipedia says that Rex does not keep count of his kills, that he thinks it's uh, crude or something, and yet he does wear a helmet that has tallies on it. So his might be something else. Okay. Yeah, that does, I guess, ring a bell. That is crude, though. Um, and that makes more sense, but it's, it's crude. <laughs> yeah. Um, uh, I did have a backup night question, which uh, you will 100% get. Oh, and I can also go with, oh, uh, here's one. Um, name uh, three of the droids that Ahsoka enlists for help. <laughs> I mean, I only remember R7. And then, like... I don't remember the the names of the other ones. I enjoy that scene. They say them. I believe you. What are they? Uh, Cheap and Gigi. Oh, okay. Gigi. That's cute. Uh, and uh, master question. Uh, who walks out with uh, Bogutan um, to deliver Maul to Ahsoka? See, I haven't watched this in over a week. Is it somebody I know? Uh, no, but it's a character uh, in the Star Wars community. It's uh, Ursa Wren. Okay. So I mentioned before uh, Sabine Wren, yes, uh, who is one of the main characters in in Rebels. It's her mother. And what is there? Just like quick plot point, who is just Ursa to, Wren and why is she involved here? Just to show that in terms of uh, high level in the Mandalorian military and just kind of linking connections furthermore, um, just within everything, just connecting the universe nicely. Is it weird that Ahsoka can so easily? kill clone troopers i understand in self-defense but like rex is not the only clone trooper who she's friendly with right and like in that moment she just has to take two of them out and then there's like no more discussion about it which two i um, mean when she's uh saving mall when she's freeing mall i think so yeah yeah that is because when, she, when she's freeing mall she definitely doesn't kill them okay she definitely knocks them out does she just like pound their heads together uh, she smacks one of their heads into the ceiling. Yeah. Um, and, uh, I don't remember what she does to the other one. I think she maybe throws his head to, into the wall. Right. Okay. Um, that's fair. I can take that. Hey, the only other thing I wanted to, to mention is incredibly, she, I think she, Go ahead. I was gonna say, I think she does have to deflect blasters back and I think she kills some in the doorway at one point. And by the way, I get it. Like 
yeah stormtroopers go down in star wars and we don't we can't dwell on all of them but like she does have a history with this troop oh yeah and it's it's not an easy thing there's some really interesting like uh in jedi fallen order for example the main character is flashbacks when he's a kid and he's walking down the hallways and like clone tells a joke to him and then a few minutes later you have to kill the clone (laughs) oh okay (laughs) and so it's like there's some fucked up moments like that um and it makes sense for there to have been. I found it uh, and then there's great. I was gonna say there's great moments in Rebels. Uh, Kanan has he when he meets Rex, he's got n- no interest in being friends with a clone. Oh, okay. He has because well, his master was murdered by their clone troop. Right. Yeah. Uh, and every like he was a Jedi that was a Padawan that never got to become a Jedi Knight, and so like he just does not trust clones. I mean, obviously he meets like the three clones that don't have inhibitor chips, but it like. He's not game for it at the start. I don't know how prominent uh, what we come to know as Imperial Star Destroyers are in this series leading up to this, but we see one here. And its only difference to what we know as a traditional Star Destroyer is that it has like color stripes on it, which is so interesting because that's kind of the big thing you notice about uh, clone troopers versus stormtroopers is they have these color ranks on them. Um, and then once they go bad post exe- uh, executing Order 66, the Star Destroyers, along with the troopers, just go monotone white. And mm-hmm. that seems like even a- more gray of the galaxy. Yeah, it's just a fun parallel. Well, and in fact, their views are are, are myopic, right? They, they see mm-hmm. in one direction and it's his direction. Black and white. Yeah, exactly. Now, the only other scene we have to uh, give some attention to is the incredibly badass and brutal emergence of Maul, not unlike the way Vader does in Rogue One. And, like, he's tearing sheets off the wall, and he's using them to impale troopers against the against the side of the column, and then the door closes, and somebody's arm gets severed. It's just, like, every bit as horrifying and brutal as that incredible moment in Rogue One, which, I mean, I think it has to be alluding to because the, of course. the very fact that it's a hallway... Um, and it's, it's sick and so violent for a cartoon. Yeah. I've referred to them as death marches. Seriously. And it's, they're just so cool. Uh, I like, they, they use the move from the pilot Amando or they pull the guy through the door and cut off his arm. Right. Um, or as opposed to like half his body. Um, and then he uses the door, uh, after using it as a shield as like, a, as like a ninja star. Yeah. It, it, it's just so badass, And the fact that he doesn't even need a lightsaber. Uh, we see some even amazing, some more amazing mall in the next episode. Some even more amazing mall. Um, I believe, like a lot of people felt, this is the like a lot of people like when talking about these final four episodes felt this was the best one. Whereas I very much felt like um, the last one was the best, the second one was the second best, and then this one, and then maybe the first or something. But like I, like I thought this one, it, it's it's a great episode, but it's the one that feels. Um, the mo the least like an episode, the most like it's nope. That's a twenty of a movie. It does feel like that for sure. Yeah, and but, I mean, it's not I a bad, it. not a bad thing. No, I I liked it, and 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 namely for the for the emotion of Order sixty six, and just the 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 plot centricity of of Darth Maul and Ahsoka. I just mm. think it's it's good storytelling. Oh, oh no, it's absolutely um, incredible. And what I wanted to also point out, and that makes me so happy, is that. Uh, the, the, I think the most reviewed episodes of the entire show, but all f- um, I think all have over 5,000 reviews uh, on IMDb, which is a good number per, for an episode. Um, and all final four episodes of the show, 9.8, 
Whoa. Yeah, that's good. That is bonkers. Yeah. That's it's the, that's the highest rated thing in Star Wars. No kidding. That is and I mean and not too far off rightfully so. Um uh, is there anything else to no, talk the, about? No, I got I got nothing else to say about this. And we only have one more for the Clone Wars. Yeah. Um Okay, well what's going on in the news? We it. didn't do one last week. Uh, no. Uh, oh, one other thing. I did really like that final shot uh, of them cutting out the doorway. Yeah. The, the clones cutting in. That. I thought that was a good bit of just Star Wars, I don't know, iconic imagery. They really end them suspensefully, don't they? Oh, they definitely succeed. And they yeah. start them each so, like, on such a dour note, mm-hmm. uh, appropriately. Um, there's not been... There has not been really anything in the news. Okay. Um, I, I will say there was a lot of rumor around like the dumbest thing in the world, uh, and that was that they're going to retcon the entire sequel trilogy. Ugh. That was like that. It was so mind-bogglingly stupid. Now the 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 extended rumor off that is that oh no, part of it's still true. The notion was that they were going to retcon it so that they could do George Lucas's original draft of the seven, which is like oh yes. Yeah, so what are they going to do now? Bring back Carrie Fisher from the dead. Yeah, they're gonna uh, and they're gonna do, do it like literally five months after the most recent movie came out. Yeah, like how stupid do people have to be? This is just so, wishful thinking. It's like it's amazing what people will will convince themselves is true because it's what they've decided that they want. Now you know what would be amazing. I would absolutely love it if they paid George Lucas handsomely to write like ten, eleven, twelve. And said, like, here, do it with Dave Filoni. Ideally, let's write this in a time period so that we can do it within a 10-year window. We don't have dead set on doing it, like, in this year, like, based on the age of characters. Uh, we may be able to not get this person back. We should be able to get this person back. Think of what technology. But, like, get him get him for to continue the story. Yeah. I think that would be a cool notion. And I would be, it'd be cool if they could bring it back that way so you get to finish some notions of, like, the midi-calorians and the way that he wants to kind of wrap up telling some big secrets of the force. But uh, I think that's an interesting thing to talk about and theorize about. But I think the notion of any retconning, uh, parallel running of universes, people were saying that the mirror room that Ray goes into um, on the Death Star 2 is how they were going to retcon it into creating parallel universes so that it wasn't Ugh. retconned per se, but a different time. Like, and so it's just like total garbage. But yeah. it's like, why can't people theorize about just moving forward because it is it is at, it is the what happened yep um and like i've been very vocal after we just did rise of skywalker that i thought there was tons of missteps but it does not mean that you can go back and like rewrite history i think you can you know deep fake princess leia to make her look less creepy in rogue one um and do like george lucas level tweaking but not han shot first level tweaking we would all be so bored if they decided right away to to do that story again but better we would all be like oh fuck off also would it be better there's no way of knowing exactly um although uh i will say if they do do a 10 11 12 uh, they need to plan it uh, based on when maybe Oscar Isaac has a down moment in his career because unless he needs a new host, he ain't coming back to Star Wars. His words. Uh, yeah. Um, yeah, they all seem pretty sick of it and they seemed uh, pretty, I think, unimpressed. Uh, you can look back at some of the um, interviews around the Rise of Skywalker that don't necessarily point to any of them thinking it's 
any good. Yeah. Um, and that's unfortunate. Uh, whereas you did see some of that stuff around The Last Jedi. Um, whereas even some of them maybe retrospectively, who knows, but, um, and the excitement around everybody has around the force awakens is, is so long gone. I think you can get Daisy Ridley back and John Boyega back, um, in decade plus, uh, no issue. Um, it really depends on who they are as movie stars by then. Yeah. But even still, like to what degree could they be movie stars that that would be too outside the realm a decade or 12 years from now? I don't think you'd ever get Natalie Portman back if the context was there for it. I don't think she'd do it. True. Um, uh, a lot of Natalie Portman, like she went into depression because of Star Wars, um, but was also a nightmare apparently as well. Um, but also the, apparently that was to the green screen that that was discussed a little bit, uh, not in, 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 in recent discussions just because of the way that they're able to do it now um, for the volume. Right. And how like she was so depressed because she was like, oh, my God, am I ever going to work again? I'm so terrible in these movies. Yeah. <laughs> because she wasn't acting against anything. And so that's kind of fair. Yep. That's um, true. But anyway, uh, I don't know. I think that's uh, kind of a, a, an outside instance. I mean, maybe, maybe not. Um, but, and the Harrison Ford, but then you look at people whose careers like Carrie Fisher or Mark Hamill, they would have been able to come back at any point to play their characters had George Lucas wanted to do a seven, eight, nine at any point prior to when it happened. Yeah. Uh, Harrison Ford would have been difficult to get. They could have got him back for one movie pretty much any point beyond probably 2000. Uh, he would have said, I'll come back for a movie. Yeah. Uh, Cause he did indie four in like 2000, like what was it like 2009 or something? Right, I don't true. actually know, but it's maybe around 2009, then. I think. But yeah. Um, so I, under those circumstances, I think there's a decent chance that those two would come back. Um, and I think those are the only two you need to come back. I think, to be honest, uh, it gives an opportunity to serve uh, Finn right. And uh, you make him a Jedi and you, uh, you also, fuck, if you do it in like 10 years or 20 years, or even if you do it in 30 years, the dude is still in his like early 50s. It does raise the question, <laughs> who is Rey without Ren though? And like, it's nothing against her. I don't think that's everything her character is, but it's definitely the best thing her character is. And I think to a degree, you can still have that. I think you can have it very much. I think he still, I think he still has to be a part of her in that yeah. degree. I think she still has to have a lot of duality, um, whether it's she speaks to him consistently through the force. Um, she has kids that are born of the force that look a lot like Ben Solo, right. uh, which would make a lot of sense to me. I think that would be the best way to move forward, the familial lines, if you want to do it that way. Um, you just give her kids born of the force, logical Skywalkers under that circumstance. Right, yeah. Um, also, how does she be brought back to life? Ben Solo's hand on her stomach, and then he dies. Anyway, it works. Um, oh, okay, all right. When you have to think about it, you have to continue it on. Um, Star Wars seems to be really leaning in on um, the family being the most important part, uh, being a very big important part of Star Wars, and it is a very important part of Star Wars. Always, it's, it's one of the the biggest themes there are. Right. Um, but it's interesting to see. Um, it, it does appear that that's one that they've identified um, as one that's a little bit more important than, for example, um, an allegory for the times or even um, lessons for people becoming adults or messages of selfishness versus selflessness, other major themes that make Star Wars what it is. Uh, it does appear like the family angle is the one that is uh, 
is the most important to Disney at the moment. And so that's one that they will likely have to continue forward with and, and not in a bad way. That's okay. And though. then you can have, that's like you said, that's their richest area yeah. anyway. Yeah, absolutely. And I mean, Finn doesn't have a last name. Is he just going to take Skywalker too? Maybe he wants to take solo. Maybe they can all just take their own last names. Cause yeah. let's face it. Skywalker and solo are just ma- like, that's a last name. People just claim now. So. That's right. That's right. That's right. Okay. What else you got? Uh, not a ton. Uh, Clone Wars stories of light and dark. So that's a book that's going to have short stories based on uh, parts of the Clone Wars. Uh, and so they take some of the the key storylines uh, and are creating additional uh, kind of stories around them, whether it's to kind of fill them out um, or tell additional stories that just kind of fit in within the, the Clone Wars era. Kind of cool. Uh, not exactly sure uh, how that'll be, but probably um, probably be a good good read or an easy listen uh there's also dr afra uh, it's an audiobook it's gonna be out in like three weeks um and so that's got a cast of one two three four five six seven eight so nine um audio readers who do the casting for like the characters in the book and so that'll make for a rich audio listen so that could be I'm, i'm excited to listen to that because i'm not a comic reader um i'll for some of the main comics, I'll do overviews or I'll look into or sometimes watch like a video of it just like played out and summarized in like five minutes. Um, but Dr. Aphra is a very well-liked character created by Disney uh, in the comic era uh, and is being introduced in other mediums. And this is a first novel. And so I'm, introduced, I'm excited to, to hear this because I think it's got similar um, story points to uh, some of her introduction comic lines that are just more enriched. So that we'll tell that more about that character, uh, a character that also has a high likelihood of uh, one day entering live action, and because she, she's a she's a female uh, LGBTQ uh, Asian uh, archaeologist um, right. who works for the rebels and um, as a favor uh, as a favorite uh, of Darth Vader's as well. Yeah, that sounds so. pretty pretty rich, pretty cool. Yeah, lots of shit you can do. So much shit you can yeah, do with definitely. a character like that. Definitely. Uh, you can bring in the huts, you can tie in so much. Uh, you can tie in a character's shit like that with Crimson Dawn. Um, mm. a, a very rich character to have something where you can do uh, jobs like that for anyone in the galaxy far, far away. Um, interestingly, uh, about, uh, there's not a whole lot, uh, that we know about the, um, the high Republic era, but we know about this, the great disaster, which is kind of the, the key tipping point as to what's going to kind of define the era of time. Right. And so apparently what it is, is we knew it had to deal with hyperspace. Um, so the Nile, which are like space Vikings, what they do is they hijack hyperspace lanes and throw giant objects into them to either blow things up just like by creating obstacles or to stop them in their paths so they can then divert them to different places to hijack them in completely free and clear areas. Um, But the great disaster apparently is like this gigantic, gigantic ship um, that like tries to avoid an obstacle or something and then swerves out and because it's in hyperspace and hyperspace is not like, it's not direct travel. It's not like when you get into like those like Lego portals and like, when you're like Lego racing uh, where you're just going to automatically zoom to a different location. That's, or that's a really odd reference, but because we grew up together, I'm with you. Uh, it's the only reason why I decided to throw it out there. I figured yeah. um, you're half our listenership anyway. Yeah. So. <laughs> 
that's so true. Yeah. Um, but uh, specifically, I, I, I thought it's interesting because uh, for hyper travel, it has you in like parts of the galaxy all at once. And that was similarly the way they showed that with like hyperspace skipping um, in the Rise of Skywalker. Yeah. And so what happens is the ship gets diverted and it gets like exploded into like thousands of pieces shot across the galaxy into random places that immediately appear. And so you have like people and objects scattered and exploded across the galaxy into random locations. Um, like that can create an absurd number of disasters, especially if it's a galaxy that's just kind of a new frontier defining itself. So that can create a lot of missions for Jedi. So that's really, I think, uh, an interesting way to kind of create some some storylines. Hell yeah. Um, not a whole lot else uh, in story. Just one thing that I thought was really interesting mentioned by uh, Pablo Hidalgo, okay. who is one of the the great voices on Star Wars. He's one of the keepers of canon. Uh, and this is... This is his words on canon. Uh, he says, this is just my opinion, my own ideas about it. It's not reflective of anything company policy. It's not a commandment. It's not a rule. It's just an observation. On occasion, when asked about something specific, I'll answer, canon doesn't split those, hair those hairs. What I mean by that is, it means it's a detail that isn't cataloged. It's an increment beneath notice. It's stuff that typically means artifacts of the medium. So I don't see that as being such a canon dialogue because a comic, novel, cartoon, live-action version of an event will differ. Uh, it's my way of dodging the who shot first uh, horse carcass. Uh, all that canon is two people, and all that is canon is two people entered that booth, uh, Han and Greedo, and Greedo died. Reports may vary. Here's an example of the film artifact. Look how much room uh, is in Darth Vader's overbridge. This place is huge. So why are there guys standing so close? If they can get enough, uh, if they, it's not like they can't get enough of each other. They had to fit them both in the frame. In my mind, there's no such thing as a canonical distance one person stands from another. The only fact is that these guys were there and they talked. Anyway, that's it. But if you ever want uh, to have a shattered illusion of a movie, Look at how close people stand for the sake of framing. What this reminds me of is uh, the way people say that Kevin Spacey played Kaiser Soze in The Usual Suspects. And that's never been my interpretation of that movie at all. Like that, that, I, that, that is not even what I think happens in that whole fucking film. He plays Verbal Kent, who tells a story that may or may not be true about someone named Kaiser Soze. And for sure, he is the guy they're looking for. But mm. it is not clear what he's if if anything he is saying is true at all, and so he's the unreliable narrator. But, and Star Wars doesn't have an unre, unre, unreliable narrator. But like, are those two things related, or am I kind of grasping at straws? Like, I I don't know if those things are overly related. I I thought it was an interesting. The story way is interpretive, is what I'm saying. Is like. Uh, Except for that, I, I'm not really sure why he's... And maybe you can give me some context. I'm not sure why he is saying that canon doesn't matter. Um, he's more so saying that canon isn't as specific as people need it to be. Right. The differences that people say, like... Uh, and, and that's where it's like splitting hairs. A great example is Ahsoka in the novel of Ahsoka. It, 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 um, it starts off like the prologue is uh, the very end of the Clone War, of the very end of the Clone War story. It has a couple similarities, very, very short. It's mostly just 
uh, her, she has a self monologue about Maul just escaping. And um, she drops her lightsabers to fake her death. Right. That's so that's the only, but her lightsaber is specifically mentioned. It's being, it is her green lightsaber. But in the Clone Wars here, Anakin just replaced the crystals. Right. There's a cannon split hair. Now, it, is it her same lightsabers? They are her green lightsabers. The, were the crystals green when she dropped them? No. And so it's just a matter of like, what are you splitting hairs on? I'm of the mindset, and like, it, it's it's difficult because that also can get a little bit messy as well. I view things in a different way. I just put a kind of a little list here, like things that we live action see. It, it, it's it, it's how it happened. Um, animation would be how it happened with firsthand exaggeration, potentially exaggeration is how it happened. It's a firsthand viewing. It's just, it's exaggerated, uh, a book or a comic, maybe a secondhand telling. So okay. passed down from an observation or a perspective because comics and books are often told from perspectives that cannot be viewed by an other specific individual. It's not an omniscient presence that can describe a specific case scenario Certain comics and books are told from a singular perspective, whereas a movie can't be, for example. Right. Uh, whereas legends come into play or differences, these can be learned or recorded events by non-observers. So these can be passed down from multiple pieces of information. And so the specificity and the correctness of it, it, it doesn't need to be on the nose. And that's where you can have things like, base, like Ben Solo uh is is jason solo from legends if you have somebody telling the story of the son of han and leia gone bad well there was a son of uh another rebel general named jason so they got that mixed up and named and said jason solo when they passed down that legend and oh about thrawn he thrawn went up a bunch of the rebels he went up against luke han and leia oh no he got his years 20 years off he actually went up against a different band of, of fun rebels but uh those stories were told in, in a different medium, and so those things got off to a different sort of way. Like the Darth Plagueis book, most everything that is probably canon until we find out it isn't. But the narrator is only as reliable as the perspectives told in those sort of things. Right. And so, I mean, there's so many different ways you can look at it. Uh, and I think what uh, like, like a framing sort of thing that Pablo Hidalgo is saying is I don't think that's really fair or, or smart. I think you can have like, yes, there can maybe be the slightest of exaggerations that occur, but what we see for live action, don't like, don't try and say what we, what we're seeing is not what we're seeing. And, and I know that that's not also what he's saying, but at the same time, I just think, what, uh, I, I don't think it makes anything clearer. I think in, in, in the case of Han shot first, all he's saying is it doesn't matter. It, like it, it doesn't yeah. matter who shot first, unless you are litigating whether or not Han would shoot first. And then it does matter. Just because he didn't in this moment does not change who Han Solo is. Well, and that goes back to like one of my favorite people in Star Wars, uh, a guy Ken Knapsack, and I, I read his book. It's like why it's called Why We Love Star Wars, and it's just like a, a list of a hundred things, and it's just like great moments from all different means of Star Wars. Um, like it's a couple from video games, mostly from the movies though, and such. Um, and he says, "Who cares about the what of Star Wars? The whole point is the why." Mm. And I agree with him to the most part, but I believe the why and the how as well. And so, like, all the, the specificity, like, Han shot first. I don't care about Han shot first un until you get to the point of the why. And that's yeah. why Han shot first is one of the important bits of canon debate. 
and why that's a bit is an appropriate one because there is an, a, a why and an underlying key Star Wars theme that you can have a discussion about. Whereas that's not so much the case if it were, you know, anything else. If it's like the the color of a lightsaber. I mean, well, yeah, then we're talking about the Anakin thing or like, but there are much smaller ones where it's like the framing, for example, that doesn't matter. Your right. why, your why, okay, you're perfect. Your why is, is it needs to be framing. There's my explanation. What I see is perfect then. Right. That that was my explanation. I don't need to dig deeper into like a philosophical meaning. The explanation for what I see is that you needed it to be framed that way. What, sure. what do you mean when you say framing? Uh, and like, the, like they, like when you look at the bridge on a Star Destroyer. Yes. It's gigantic. Right. Okay. Like Darth, Darth Vader stands so close to people. Right. And like the officers, like it, it, it's really weird. Um, the way that they, they, that's just one example that they're throwing out. Well, and if you're going to start splitting those hairs, you're just going to make yourself crazy because you're going to, you're going to start to notice that like mm-hmm. Anna, Anakin's thighs are a little thicker in in live action than they are in, in cartoon. You're just like, what's the point? Yeah. What are you, what are you achieving by having this, and, this and fit? I think the, that's the reason why he's bringing it up, but I don't think it necessarily helps. Right. Right. Okay. Uh, good. Are we good? Yeah. Happy birthday, uh, Wednesday, July 1st, which was last week, to David Prowse, which was which Darth Vader? Or- uh, the, all of the Darth Vaders for the... Uh, all the Darth Vaders, but Revenge of the Sith. Oh, okay. Oh, and, well, no, and, and Rogue One. The, the original trilogy, Darth Vader's just none of the voice. In the suit. Happy birthday, uh, Thursday, July 9th, to Jimmy Smits, who is underserved in, in the Star Wars universe. I want to see him again. Yes. And happy oh, birthday. Th- no reason to not have him in the Cassian show. No reason. Absolutely. And hey, Monday, July 13th, happy birthday, Mr. Harrison Ford. Doesn't get any bigger uh, than that. Awesome. So nope. uh, th- there's no particular strategy in choosing the two people I want to talk about for Gotta Cast One this week. I had just mentioned a little while ago that at some point I want to find an opportunity to throw Sam Rockwell in there. And for no particular reason, uh, mm. the other one's going to be Don Cheadle. Gotta Cast One, Sam Rockwell or Don Cheadle. Oh, very good choices. Yeah, both are sick actors. Yeah. Um, Don Cheadle could be a really good uh, Jedi Master. He could be a really good, um, like, undercover Sith. Um, like, a really good menace, somebody who's not, you wouldn't think is evil. Uh, he could be somebody who's overtly evil. Uh, and he could laugh in your face about it, a la House of Lies. Um <laughs> But he's also incredibly likable. Uh, he could he could really be damn near anything. Yeah. Um, Sam Rockwell, kind of the same thing. Um, both of the guys absolutely flawlessly pass your Beckett test, especially Rockwell. Honestly, um, yeah, either one of them could 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 be Beckett for sure. And uh, Rockwell really fits in. Like, he's a cowboy. Yeah, but he but he fits in like an archetype, like a Han Solo who doesn't come back and do the right thing. Sure, almost. Um, and so I almost wouldn't want to put him in a spot like that. But I also he's not noble like a Qui Gon uh, in that same kind of way. But he also you don't. I I don't know. He's maybe a harder one to place because not he's like almost Qui Gon, but like maybe the Jedi Council or whatever uh, needs somebody with his sweet version of of virtue like do you remember the movie the way way back it was like a summer movie with yes. steve carell a couple years ago he is yes. for sure the definition of a good guy in that movie oh yeah uh or in jojo rabbit for that matter he like he he doesn't start out a very good guy but like by the end of it like you like that guy and and 
he would never be monk-like like Qui-Gon, but like he can definitely play like kind of a conflicted, ultimately heroic Jedi figure who has yeah, so guess- much swagger. I, well, but you know what? You're right then. Uh, somebody who just who's who can't get on the council like Qui Gon in the sense of he's constantly getting, uh, and somebody who maybe ends up getting kicked off of the Jedi, get, get, get kicked out of the Jedi Order, sure, uh, for doing maybe the right thing. Maybe uh, somebody existing in the High Republic era. Maybe Sam Rockwell, and he, I'm choosing him. He is uh, the member of the Jedi Order uh, from the the High Republic era who is our first victim of the bureaucratic Jedi uh, fall, um, who is somebody who acts for the betterment of the world, the betterment of the galaxy, the betterment of humankind and species kind, but not for the betterment of bureaucracy and is, has to pay the price for it, ultimately um, shining a light on, on, on Dooku's uh, questioning of everything to come and ultimately Qui-Gon's and the fall of the Order. You're writing a goddamn movie over there. I love it. He would be great. All right. Well, let us know who you'd like to cast in Star Wars, Sam Rockwell or Don Cheadle. You can tweet us at Recorder66. Email Recorder66 at gmail.com. Actually, it's Recorder66podcast at gmail.com. Have I said it enough times? Uh, Rate and review on your preferred podcast app. If you want to be where we are by next week, hey, watch the last episode of The Clone Wars on Disney+. Or all of The Clone Wars. Hey, watch as as much as you like, but it it has a strong finish, and we're going to discuss that strong finish on next week's pod until we are together again may the force be with you